0: There's something that I wrote some years ago, but the Holy Spirit brought to my heart once again yesterday as I was preparing for this time and this call, and it's about joy. One of the things I learned about joy, I'm actually going to be reading an excerpt today, or not an excerpt, but I'm going to be reading the main verse of um, chapter 10 of my book, Joy, and it's called Hope, The Missing Link to joy. I'm going to be talking about three things that sometimes we don't think about, but they go into having joy. In fact, my entire book joy is it's literally called joy, more than an emotion, a fruit of the spirit. And the reason why I wrote it that way and the reason why the book is called that is because the Lord revealed to me a few years ago something very important that I didn't realize about joy. I realized that in my entire Christian life and my entire life Um, that I had been serving the Lord I had always asked him for joy you know Lord increase my joy make me happier make me less worried make me less anxious make me less stressful and I mean make me less stressed I don't know how stressful I am (laughs) but make me less stressed until the Holy Spirit began to deal with me a few years ago and began to teach me that joy is not so out of my control As I was thinking, I always thought of joy as this thing that would come around as like a product of my circumstances or something that the Holy Spirit would just hand me until the Holy Spirit said, Vanessa, what is joy? And when I looked in Galatians, the Bible says in Galatians that joy is a fruit of the spirit. And where do fruit, where does fruit come from? Fruit comes from a seed that has been planted and that grows. And the Holy Spirit began to show me. Joy is not completely out of your control. It is something that you cultivate through a relationship with my Holy Spirit. Joy is a byproduct. Joy is something that comes out of your relationship with me. It's not dependent on your circumstances because a lot of us, when we want more joy, we assume that the way to get more joy is to get the circumstance that we want. Or to get the outcome that we want, you know, we assume that the best way to be happier is for God to just do what we've asked. So, I remember as I was writing this book, Joy, um, I was going through my period of infertility that a lot of you guys have heard about, and it's crazy because I wrote this entire book going through infertility. I remember thinking that it was kind of like this weird cosmic joke, I was like, Lord why are you having me write a book called joy in the least joyful time of my life? I mean, I would come out of the doctors and they would give me another diagnostic test that I had to go run or another issue that we had to surmount or another hormonal problem that I had to fix. And I would literally come out of the doctor's office, have a good cry, and then sit down at my desk and write this book called joy, more than an emotion, a fruit of the spirit. And it's just one of those things that God does sometimes to really cement the lesson that he's trying to teach you because what he was trying to show me in that moment was it didn't have to do with the things around me joy comes from inside of me when i have the holy spirit so that's something that i want to remind you of and i want to teach you guys this morning that it does not matter what you are going through. You can be joyful in the midst of it because you know the giver of joy. And so really quick, I wanna go over one of my favorite verses, which is in Romans 12, 12, being such a short verse, I'm literally gonna... I'm literally going to read you one sentence, but in this one sentence, God teaches us so much about joy that sometimes we don't think, because again, we tend to think of joy as something automatic. Happiness is something that comes automatically when everything is going well. Happiness is when you wake up one day, the weather is great. You're having a good hair day. You know, your boss happened to be nice that day and everything's going well and your circumstances are good. So you're in a good mood. That's happiness. That's a good mood. That's not promised by the Holy Spirit. That's something that some days is going to happen and some days is not going to happen. But joy is the ability to rejoice, is the ability not to lose hope, is the ability to keep the proper perspective, is the ability to continue serving and worshiping God and knowing that he is for you, even when it doesn't seem that way. And that is what God promises. God promises that we would be immovable in our joy. That even when things are not going well, even when it seems like everything is against you, even when it seems like you've lost all your friends and all your hope. And if you read the book of Psalms, you'll see so many examples of David literally sitting there like, I feel like I have nothing. But God, I'm going to hope in you and I'm going to trust in you. That is joy. That is what the Holy Spirit promises us. But again, it is a fruit. You have to decide to plant a fruit, you have to nurture the seed that you want to turn into a fruit. There is no farmer in the world or no cultivator in the world who wakes up one day and says, Yeah, today I just woke up and you know, I had all these fruits, so I went to the market and I sold them. No, they work all year long. And something about joy that you need to know is that it takes effort and work, even when you're not in a difficult situation. Joy is one of those things that you build constantly and you build continuously, preparing for the moment where you're really going to need it. Because again, you don't really need the spirit of joy when everything is going well and you have happiness. Happiness for a time looks like joy and kind of satisfies you. Again, uh, maybe, you know, I, I think one of the moments where I'm happiest, Is when I give birth to my kids, you know, on on that one day that, that you have this beautiful baby in your arms and, you know, everybody's coming to see them and they're brand new and you're just like, wow, God, you gave me this miracle. On that day, it's easy to be happy, but three weeks later, when you haven't slept and you're covered in poop and you're covered in spit up, that's when you need the spirit of joy. But the spirit of joy should have already been built up in you. It's a preparation that you do. It's like when you run a marathon, you don't get up one day and say, today, I'm going to run the marathon. Hope God gives me strength. No, You're going to lose. You're not going to make it because marathons are something you train for. And the Bible talks about training and preparing for the day of trouble, building up our spirit and strengthen our spirit to prepare for the day that we're going to need it. So whether you're going through crisis right now in your life or whether you're in an okay time, but maybe this is the Holy Spirit telling you, you need to prepare, not not to be like a a doomsday. It's not meant to be like a doomsday (laughs) prayer. I'm not saying, you know, something bad is coming but we need to build up our stamina and our joy in the lord so that when bad things do happen when difficult circumstances do happen we have that joy sustaining us so the word of god tells us that joy sustains us but anyway so three things that we learn from romans 12:12 12, 12, it says we rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble and keep on praying three things very quickly that we learn about joy from this simple, short verse in Romans. The first first thing is that it says, we rejoice in our confident hope. If you want to build up your joy, then start having a confident hope. One of the biggest things that will steal your joy is when you begin to feel like you have no hope. When you begin to feel like you have no way out. Sometimes we, with our human eyes, we don't see the solution. We don't see how God is going to solve everything. So we start assuming that there's no hope. We start even telling God, God, I'm hopeless. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how you're going to fix this. But it says there, rejoice in your confidence. Hope. Who are you going to be confident? Not in yourself, not in the circumstances, not in other human beings that can fail you. You're going to be confident in God. When we know who we're waiting on, the Bible says that Sarah was able to rejoice It said that she rejoiced because she considered He who promised faithful. When you know who you're waiting for, you can wait confidently and with hope. I gave this example in the Spanish class. A little bit of a funny example, but if any of you guys have Latino parents like me, then maybe all of your friends were picked up from elementary school and middle school right on two, right at two on the dot, or right at three on the dot, or whatever time you were supposed to get picked up. But me, like a true Latina, my parents came. At 215, my parents came at 220. Sometimes they'd be like, I'm so sorry, I was talking to somebody at the church. I'm so sorry, you know, I had a meeting. But listen, I personally always knew they were going to show up. There was never a moment for me where I was like, well, maybe I'll have to eat dinner here or maybe, you know, somebody's going to have to adopt me. I always knew my dad was coming. Why? Because my dad had never left me before. My mom had never left me before. I knew that they might be late, but they would always be on their way. And then it's the same way with God. He might not show up the day that you expected him to, but if you know who he is then you know that he has a good reason. I remember that even as a kid I, I had such confidence in who my parents were and in their love for me that I would always say oh that's probably something that happened at church. Oh that's probably you know somebody that they're talking to. they had already explained to me the reasons why sometimes they were late to pick me up. so did I like it? no. What I tell them, hey, stop picking me up late? Obviously, but my hope when I was waiting for them was confident. When you look at that root word in the Bible, hope, Right there in, in, in this verse, in Romans 12, 12, it literally means to wait with confidence. It means to wait with joy. It means to wait expecting a good result. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you hope and the future that you long for. So one of the things that's going to help you have joy today is when you stop thinking that about everything that can go wrong and you start rejoicing and getting excited about all the things that could go right. I remember in my time of infertility, God began to change my perspective and God began to tell me, why don't you begin to dream about your baby? I remember that I cut out a picture I cut out a picture of a, of a little baby in a magazine and I put it on my fridge and every morning I would see and I would be like, man, I'm going to have a baby just like that. And funny enough, I, I'm actually going to find the picture and maybe I'll put it in the chat later today. Funny enough, my son Levi we literally later were able to take a picture that looked exactly like that picture on my fridge. But every morning I would get up and I would say, I'm gonna have a baby just like that. I'd pass by mirrors and I would be like, man, I'm gonna look so cute with my baby bump. I began to wait with expectation. I began to wait with joyfulness. I would see strollers and I would look at the strollers all around and be like, this is the stroller I'm gonna have. I don't care that the doctors are telling me that that it's gonna be difficult. I don't care that the enemy says it's still gonna be a few years. Whenever it is, it's gonna be God's, perfect timing because I'm waiting confidently and I'm rejoicing in my hope. Listen, ladies, as long as you are alive and as long as God is sitting on his throne, which I assure you that he is sitting on his throne, you have hope. You have hope hope. There is hope for your marriage. There is hope for your health situation. There is hope for your financial situation. It might not all get resolved the way you can think of right now in your brain, because we keep, we tend to do that. Like if I can't think of a situation in my brain, there must be no situation. Don't think so highly of yourself. Sometimes when you have exhausted all of your resources and all of your options, God is going to bring something out of left field that you never imagined, but there is always hope. There is always hope. And that's why Romans 12, 12 says you can rejoice in your confident hope. If you've been lacking joy lately, maybe it's because you've been forgetting to rejoice in your hope. Rejoicing in hope is rejoicing in that which you haven't seen yet. It's rejoicing in what you're hoping for. It's easy to rejoice in what you've already seen. It's easy to rejoice and well, you know, Lord, give me the baby and then I'll rejoice. Oh yeah, that's easy. That's again, that's not joy. That's just happiness. That's just being thankful. Everyone's going to have periods of happiness and thankfulness. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not always what you need. Sometimes you need to stir your own heart up to rejoice and to remind yourself that there is hope. Begin to wait with expectation. Begin to wait with confidence in he who promised. The next thing it says, it says, be patient in trouble. I like the Spanish version because the the Spanish version dice, dice, dice. Persevera in el sufrimiento, persevere in your suffering. It, it tells us right there in the verse that sometimes we are going to suffer. Sometimes the waiting hurts. Sometimes in the middle, in the midst of A, being where you are now, and B, where God is going to take you. There are moments of insecurity. There are moments of anxiety. There are moments, guys, I'd be lying to you if I told you that there weren't moments where I broke down in my house and said, God, this is never going to happen. God, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. If you read the Psalms, you'll see David crying out to God over and over saying, Lord, what, what's going to happen? But it tells us there to be patient in trouble. What that means is going back to that little vonnex waiting on the curb for her parents It's saying, I know they're going to show up. So I'm just going to sit here patiently. I'm not going to rush out and try to find a solution on my own. I'm not going to start moving pieces around and being disobedient to the Lord. Um, You know, if the Lord told me he's going to send me a husband, but to stay right where I am, I'm not going to go start church hopping and visiting every single church I could find to see if I find a husband. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to wait on my father. The word of God tells us to be patient and trouble. You know what is one of the biggest thieves of our own joy? When we start getting active in the wrong way, because there you are taking your effort and taking your focus and taking your, your energy and and just everything that you could be spending on cultivating your joy and cultivating your relationship with God. And you are wasting it on doing your own inventos, (laughs) on doing your own Um, on trying to get these solutions that are not blessed by God, because what he's telling you to do is be patient, wait on me. If I said I was going to do it, I'm going to do it. Don't always try to figure out your own way. One of the greatest blessings that you, that you can understand is the understanding to sometimes do nothing. Continue praying, continue believing, but it doesn't always mean you have to be doing something. Now, there are times where the Lord's gonna tell you, okay, I told you to be doing this. I told you to be doing that. But often when he's having us wait for a miracle, he's having us be patient in trouble. Be very, very weary. Be very, very aware of the things you do out of desperation because they often will rob your own joy. I remember that um, in my single days, I was dating someone. I had been dating them for a long time. And I really thought that I was going to marry them. And I really wanted to get married. You know, I I was a young girl growing up in the church. And I just, I really had dreams of finally finding um, this person that I was going to marry. And the Holy Spirit tells me, listen, this is not the time. This is not the time that I've given you. He even sent a prophet to tell me, this is not the time that I've given you. Be patient and wait. And I continued in this relationship with this individual. And then it was funny because I would ask the Lord, you know, why does this relationship bring me so much grief? Why does this relationship bring me so much strife? We didn't get along. We fought. It was like the worst relationship ever. It gave the worst possible fruit. But it's because I wasn't being patient. I wanted to rush. God God was building my husband, Rico. He was building him somewhere else. He wanted to be building me. But instead of allowing God that, that, time to build me and to build my husband, I was forcing it. Be patient in trouble. Calm. And in other words, calm down, do less, trust in God. And finally, it says, and keep on praying. You guys will probably never hear me speak that I don't encourage you to bring every single one of your situations to God. The word of God tells us that in his presence, there is fullness of joy, So what is another reason that sometimes we're unable to have joy in the midst of whatever we're going through because we're not going to his presence because we go everywhere else, man, as human beings, it is crazy how many other places we'll go. Even after we've met the Lord, it's, it, it honestly, it blows my mind because it's normal to expect from an atheist or from somebody who doesn't believe in him. But even those of us who believe in him, and believe in everything he does. Still, when a situation comes up, we're so much more likely to call our friends. We're so much more likely to vent to a friend. We're so much more likely to even go to therapy and do all these things. And I'm not saying that neither venting to a friend nor therapy nor talking to your pastor are wrong, but how many times have you actually prayed about it? And I'm not saying how many times have you said you were going to pray about it? Because we do that a lot. Like later, I'm going to be praying about this. Or yeah, I know I got to pray about this. And sometimes we'll even tell God, you know, okay, God, I got you later. I'm going to start praying about this. But days pass by and weeks pass by and years pass by and you haven't prayed about it at all. And here's the thing about prayer. Prayer not only transforms your circumstances, it transforms your heart. And so in the midst of prayer, if you learn to actually bring things to God in prayer, And the best thing about prayer is that he begins to transform your perspective. He begins to give you hope. If I've been speaking this whole time and you're like, man, I would love a better perspective. I would love a better attitude. I would love to be able to be patient in trouble. I would love to be able to have my hope restored. Well, prayer is one of the answers because it is only in his presence that he can change your heart. If you're constantly running from his presence, then you're never going to be transformed. And part of the reason why you might be going through this process is for your own transformation, listen. A lot of the times when God allows us to go through difficult processes, it's for the processing. You know, I um, heard to repeat "process" so much, but it's, it's necessary. In this case, it is for the processing and the development of our characters. The Word of God says in James, it says, "Rejoice when you go through tribulation, because it produces perseverance and refines your character." You are becoming or, or you could be becoming a better person, stronger and more able to face things in the future through this process if you allow God to be shaping your character. Now, if you take it on like a whiny baby, which I'm not going to judge you because I've done many times. And sometimes we start out that way. We start out like a whiny baby and then eventually we, we get it together. If you take it on like a whiny baby, oh, well, God, I'm going to stop going to church until you figure it out. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to go. I, I haven't met my husband in church, so I'm going to go try to find him in the club. And you, you throw a tantrum and you take it like a whiny baby and you start, uh, and instead of being patient and trouble, you start bad mouthing God and you think that you can have a tantrum with God and that's going to move his hand. You can try that. You can try that. See where it gets you. I've tried it before. Maybe not necessarily those exact examples, but I've tried getting fresh with God. It doesn't get you anywhere because what God's trying to do through this waiting process is change you. I told you guys, I wrote the entire book, Joy. My entire book, Joy, I wrote it without having what God promised me. And some days I would want to get sassy with him. And I'd be like, God, I'm sitting here writing this book. I'm a hypocrite. I don't feel joyful. And God would say, that's the problem. We're going to learn. We're going to learn how to have joy. We're going to learn how to cultivate this because there are days coming where you're going to need more than just a good mood to sustain you. It is a fickle Christian. We are fickle in our Christianity when we're sustained just by good circumstances, that is not a real Christian. Even Jesus didn't have good circumstances, but the Bible says that Jesus rejoiced even on the cross. Why? Because it's not all about what you're seeing with your eyes. Sometimes it's about what you know to be true underneath and what God has promised you on the other side of your cross. The word of God says that Jesus embraced his cross. I don't know what your cross is right now in your mo- in, in this moment, but the word of God says that Jesus hugged and embraced his cross. It says he was able to sustain the cross for the joy set before him. You want joy? Then start looking ahead at the joy that's on the other side of this process. I began to rejoice in my confident hope when I started looking ahead and seeing my testimony, even before my testimony was done. When I started looking ahead and saying, man, one day I'm going to show my kids. And I, and I talk about this all the time because I do it now. God made it a reality in my life. I bring all my kids out, in which is our women's conference at church every single year. I bring my kids out. That was something that I began to see in my heart before those babies were conceived. Before those babies were conceived, I said, one day God's going to give me a family and I'm going to present them on stage in and one day God's going to give me a family and and I'm going to be, I'm going to be an example of teaching them the ways of God and of teaching them the Bible and of teaching them and of making them men and women of Christ. One day, this room is going to be a baby's room. One day, this is, this is going to be what I'm going to have because I began to rejoice in confident hope. I began to see over the cross that I was bearing because yes, it was heavy and it was Difficult at the time, but I began to see the joy set before me. So let's pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for every young woman on this chat. I don't know what cross they are bearing. I don't know what difficulty they are facing. I don't know what they're going through in this moment, but I pray, Lord, that you make them strong enough to sustain what they're going through because of the joy set before them. I pray that today their attitude towards joy begins to change, that they no longer see joy as something that comes as a byproduct of good times or good days, but that they begin to see that if they are in relationship with the giver of joy, the father of hope, then they can rejoice today, that we begin to rejoice, not as a product of receiving what we've prayed for, but as a product of receiving the word, as a product of receiving that hope. As long as you are alive, Jesus, we have hope because you are our hope. And we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, like it says in Hebrews, this anchor for our souls allows us not to be shifted around by the waves of circumstance, not to be shifted around by the circumstances in our lives not to be shifted around by our own moods and attitudes father god i pray that every single young woman on that's hearing my voice will be able to rejoice today father god i pray that you begin to show them Bits of hope, whether it's through something that somebody says, whether it's through reading your word, whether it's through spending time with you in prayer, that you would begin to show them glimpses of the promises that you have for them. Because we know that you who promise is faithful, so we can laugh. The Proverbs says that she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. The woman who does that is the woman who has confident hope in you. I pray, Father God, that you would give us patience in the midst of trouble, that we would not go seeking our own way, that we would not that we would not rely on our own understanding. Proverbs says, do not rely on your own understanding. Lord, that we would not seek our own solutions. Lord, that we would not try to be our own saviors, that we would be patient in trouble and wait on you and wait on what you have for us. Lord, we thank you because like I always say, when I always quote the word, faith is the confidence of what we have not yet received. So I thank you for the confidence that we have in you. I thank you because I'm certain of what is to come, not because of me, not because I deserve it, but because of who you are. I thank you, Father.